When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you for a very special episode today. We've got the gang back together and we're doing something new. We are going to be starting a series on the Olympic opening ceremonies, asterisk the ones that are available to watch online. And we are going to go over them, review them, bring you the best, the worst, and everything else in between, rate them, and at the end of this little series, hopefully come up with what the best opening ceremony is of all time, according to award-winning podcast Off The Podium, because that's what we do. We like to rank, we like to rate, and we also couldn't come up with anything else for all three of us to come together and talk. So this is a good way to do it until the Women's World Cup and the Pan Am Games start. So it's something to do. It's fun. It's exciting. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. And we've got a doozy for you today because we are starting with the Winter Olympics that everybody loves, the 1994 Lillehammer Games in Norway. And boy, oh boy, wowee, do the Norwegians do an opening ceremony. Um, speaking of Norwegians... I don't know if this man knows any, but it's Colin Hilding. I I don't know any. I I think that old man uh, at the <laughs> opening. I'd like to know him. Uh, Who wouldn't? He's got a lot of energy. Um, <laughs> has kids sitting on his lap for two hours. This is like Ben's new best friend. I, I I just I'm worried the fact that every time they cut to him, there was like another thirty kids on his lap. So I just don't, <laughs> I, I'm intrigued to find out where these kids came from. Speaking of kids, this man once was one. It's Jared Lubick. Jared, welcome back to Off the Podium. Thank you. It's it's good to be back. You've got Norwegian connections, don't you? Wasn't it the Amazing Race Norway that you did stuff with? See, it worked on their Sydney leg. I've travelled over there. Oh. You know, this was just, just it was like coming home watching this. This is why you were so excited when we told you that we're doing Lillehammer first of all. That's it. How many how many old men's laps did you have to sit on to get on the Amazing Race Norway? <laughs> Too many to count. That's the audition process, isn't that's, it? That's it. That was the entire process. Come on in, young sir. Sit on lap. Uh, we see how you go. Um, basically, we talked in our last episode, uh, I think that was our Ranking the Mascots episode, where we thought, well, this is something fun. We sort of couldn't really come up with things automatically that we wanted to rank. I mean, there are a bunch of things we could still rank, of course, but we, we've always sort of wanted to try and do some sort of series where maybe we go over every Olympics and we haven't really worked out a format of that and that's something that we can kind of, you know, knuckle down over the years. But this was a nice simple one. We thought, well, let's look at the opening ceremonies that are out there available online. 
We can watch them. We can come up with a bit of a criteria where we rank them based on certain elements of it and kind of go from there. So we did that. We'll go over the criteria in just a moment. And we also found that basically you can get every Olympic opening ceremony online in some form, be it a dodgy bootleg off YouTube or the Olympic channel having their own version, pretty much from Munich onwards, with the exception of a couple of Winter Olympics that aren't available. So we will say now that there are 25 we have found that we will get through gradually. And I believe the only ones that we don't have from 72 onwards is 72 in Sapporo. We don't have the Winter Olympics from there. And we don't have the Lake Placid opening ceremony as well, either online from 1980. So if anybody listening is desperate for us to do Sapporo 72 and Lake Placid 1980, and you've got a copy of it, ship us our way. But we'll get to the end of this episode where we'll talk how we got a random number. The random generator, we got Lillehammer. So here we are. And basically, we've all sat down and watched this. It was interesting. We'll go over all that criteria in just a moment. But before we do, I think every time we start with one of these, let's just go over a history. This is what we do on our other podcast, a history with us and these games and I guess the opening ceremony. It's going to be fun when we get to like Munich and Innsbruck. But um, I'll start with you, Colin, because I know we've gone over our histories before of the Olympic Games and where we started watching and our first memories of them. But Lillehammer, this was a game that you watched, right? You were, what, about 13 mm-hmm. when these games were on? So you would have uh, had memories of watching these Olympics, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I would have been like 12, I think, uh, when these were on. These were the winter ones. Um, Barcelona was the first one I remember actually going on my way to watch the Olympics. Uh, now, I, would, I wouldn't have seen the opening ceremonies, though, because I remember it was like a little bit into Barcelona before I really started watching. So this was probably the first Olympics that I watched start to finish. Uh, and I definitely saw the opening ceremonies. Um, now, I don't remember everything about it, but... Some of these things, when you see the visual, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's flooding back. I remember this now. Uh, but, I mean, these were probably the most heavily promoted Olympics here in North America at that point. So much so, I think, because of the Tanya Harding-Nancy Kerrigan thing. Uh, like You could not escape it. Everybody was watching it. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, and everybody was sitting on somebody's lap while they were watching it, I think. <laughs> I'm actually disappointed that we're not sitting on somebody else's lap for this episode. I thought maybe <laughs> Jamie could be there for you, Colin. I don't know, Jared, if a neighbour could come over. I'm just alone. I'm happy to sit here by myself on my own oh, lap. Wait a second. But you guys are in the same city. Jared, Jared was busy. <laughs> Jared was busy. I, I tried, but he was busy, weren't you, Jared? You were busy. That's it. Yeah, very, very well. Oh, we will say breaking news. We did meet since our last episode, right? So Jared <laughs> and I have officially hung out. So that was fun, wasn't it, Jared? I got your free tickets to a Matilda's game. It was. It was good. Yeah. That's it. It was good. In the back <laughs> in the back of his head, he's like, this ought to shut him up. <laughs> I, love, I love the reaction. Yeah, it was good. Um, I got you a... Fridge magnet of the mascot for the Women's World Cup. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. This is all true. Uh, we were getting prepped for the Women's World Cup later this year. Uh, Jared, I, I, I believe you didn't watch these games. You were very young, I think, for these. But uh, do you have any memory of these Olympics existing when you were? How old, how old you were in 1994? Uh, zero recollection of watching this as a two-year-old. Um, I mean, it, it, it could have happened. It's possible, but I don't remember it. You weren't sitting on your parents' lap, <laughs> <laughs> as the world was in 1994. They sat on everyone's lap to watch them. I I have memories of these. In I don't know about the opening ceremony, but I've talked about it before. I remember being around when Australia won our first medal at these Olympics and it being publicised. And I think Channel Nine had these in 1994. And I think I found randomly back when 
you know, you, your parents used to record like the Sunday night movie. So you'd have 50,000 VHS blank tapes with random things on it. I remember when we were clearing them out when we moved once, I think we had this bootlegged on a VHS back when we moved. Um, so I, I vaguely remember those parts of it. But I, I mean, it's funny, Colin, I know you've literally just got the video game of this very recently. Mm-hmm. I remember playing the 1994 Lillehammer Winter Olympics video game religiously on the, the SNES or the Sega Master System or whatever it was back then. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's kind of really the first Winter Olympics that I ever realized existed because I don't remember Alberville. I definitely remember Barcelona, but I don't remember Alberville. But this kind of, I think, sparked something in me enough that when Nagano came around in four years' time, I very much was more into the Winter Olympics. And I think most Australians probably too because we won a medal at these Olympics, which was a very big deal, of course. But it was also, I think, just outside of our memories of it, a big game to so the fact this started that new cycle for Winter Olympics, of course, usually for people who may be not familiar with the fact that Winter Olympics used to be the same year as the Summer Olympic Games. This was the first time they moved it into the cycle. So we kind of had two Winter Olympics in the space of two years, really, back then. And of course, these Olympics were the first that introduced things like aerial skiing and short track speed skating as sort of actual medal events outside of them usually being demonstration sports. And we're obviously only four years away from things like snowboarding and curling. So I I think these really were the Winter Olympics that maybe, I don't know, gave themselves a bit of a separate identity from the Summer Olympics, if that makes sense. Because, you know, you you look back in the history of the Olympics and how, you know, you just have weird rules that if you got the Summer Olympics, the same country had to host the Winter Olympics in the same year, like things like that that existed. But I don't know. I, I like the fact that they moved them to 1994. So... Jared, I don't know if you got anything. A bit of a rant I went on there. I'm not really asking you a question here. If you got anything to add, like, I mean, do you, do you like the fact that they moved them away from, you know, the same year as the Summer Olympics? Oh, definitely. I think um, it just works better in terms of, I suppose, timing and TV, but then also just the fact that you don't have to wait four years for some form of Olympics to roll back around. Yeah. I always like to think of it that every year there's some form of Olympic something, but it kind of changed it now because generally – you would have like obviously every even year you'd have an Olympics or so summer or a winter. And then in the odd year, you would have the announcement of a future Olympics because it's generally the year after the sub, subsequent summer or winter games. But obviously change that slightly now, given the way the IOC do that. But anyway, uh, Colin, I mean, you touched on before, I guess for North America, it was a big deal with, you know, the Nancy Kerrigan, Tonya Harding. But I mean, Canada, God, we're going to talk about them in this episode. Um, when it came to things like aerial skiing and, and moguls and things like that, we know you love your moguls, but I mean, this was the, this was a freestyle skiing Olympics. This was a big deal for, yeah. for Canada. Yeah. I, and just going back to what you're saying about uh, being the first one that wasn't sharing a year, I think that probably also played a big part as to why this had so much promotion because it wasn't like, oh, it's one of the Olympics. Like, okay, this is the Olympics and then it'll, it'll be it for two years. Uh, but I mean, 94, yeah, there was a lot of big Canadian thing, particularly with moguls. I mean, that was the first time I'd ever seen the event. And uh, it was a very exciting one and s- still one that uh, I-, I love to go back and, and watch the, the results from. Uh, I do want to know, though, how you actually compete in the moguls in the Little Hammer video game, because <laughs> it's the first sport I tried to play. And it's the only one I've yet to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> you, you go in between the bumps and jump. Right, like oh, that's sort of a go. You asking Jared I, I and I to Jared's, tell you about moguls? If I 
if I had listened to Jared's commentary, I would have gotten it. It's mogul, oh, mogul, mogul. You, yeah, there you go. See, that's that's what you sort of have to to do with it. Clearly, with it. Um, we're obviously, you know, give a give a bit of a brief background. I think kind of on just our own personal ones, but this isn't an episode where we're going to go over like the metal tallies and things like that. Yeah, okay, we touched on sort of a few things there, but that will be our future project when we eventually go over the Olympics individually. What we are doing here, though, we're separating our commentary and our thoughts and our opinions into four separate sections, all right? And then we are going to each individually rate them out of five, and then we will come up with the total, and then some way we will have this as a ranking based on an averages of our total. Then we'll also have a couple of little sections where we're going to award a few different little things in it, and we'll go from there. So moving forward, if you want to join us in having fun with these episodes, you can watch the subsequent opening ceremony and join us along the way because it will be fun. So cultural, the parade of athletes, the cauldron lighting, which I'm also going to say I've included like the flag and like, I guess like the, you know, the, the hymn and things like that. That's kind of like the procedural part of the that. ceremonial part. Thank you. That That's the way of putting it. And then we've got the speeches slash other. So I guess technically speeches could fall in ceremonial, but I don't know, like they're always sort of separate. So they're kind of the four categories and then we also have, we've got our weirdest moment, which this might be a long segment in this one. Um, I guess the biggest blunder, which kind of is similar to that one. We'll have anything related to the mascot, which will be tricky in this one. And then the best moment as well. So, and then we'll come up with that at the end. So, um, first of all, uh, shall we start off with the cultural aspect? <laughs> Are we happy with that? Um, yes. So, um, I mean, I guess... In summary, we will say we watched this, at least I did. I'm assuming both of you did too. The Olympic Channel version, which has no commentary. So this is purely no Bruce, no CBC people sitting there going, and as we see these Norwegians, like, and telling us what we're actually watching. So unless you've read the Wikipedia page, we really don't have a fucking clue what was happening in half of these, which makes it a little bit more fun. So um, I guess in summary, we had skydiving, which was kind of cool we had literally people bleeding their way into forming a norwegian flag which was very interesting we had reindeer um we had folk dancers trying to kick a hat off a stick Um, we had mole people jumping up from the snow we had an egg which turned into the world and hatched doves and fireworks that's essentially the cultural aspect of the Lilla opening ceremony. Jared, I'll start with you. Thoughts on the cultural aspect of this opening ceremony? I thought that it was really good. I feel like we got a, like a bit of a dash of everything. Um, maybe not some of the stuff that I would have expected. Like I would have kind of liked a little bit more like Nordic, like Norse mythology. Uh, you know, like Thor didn't rock up and, <laughs> and Odin wasn't there. And um, but I thought overall, like the like national costumes were on point. I appreciated like the like Sami culture and like the like seeing like the Yoi King just because it reminds me of Eurovision. This is why we've got you um, on the show. You can tell us actually what was happening. <laughs> and like, I, that's just all like the folk music. I thought actually the soundtrack throughout this ceremony is, is like one of like the better ones that I can remember. Um, what else? The egg. The, I mean, the mole people were like the <laughs> highlight. Um, 
I will say, I feel like they could have put more culture into it if they cut down on some of the segment lengths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm all here for like live animals, especially like the oh. reindeer who like were not having a bar of what they were being told to do. Well, um, I think that was the theme of the entire opening ceremony. There were a lot of people and animals in this opening ceremony that just looked like they would rather be somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I, one thing I will say that I will rate very highly when it comes to any of these opening ceremonies, real-life props and real-life entertainment, all right? So we know modern opening ceremonies are going to rank low on the Ben Waterworth scale because you're lazy and you just project shit on screens, all right? Lazy. This you have reindeer coming out. You've got sleds, right? Like ticking all the boxes here, okay? You have Norwegian folk dancing, which I didn't even know was a thing, but I want to know more because you got like a hoedown going on with some very interesting looking Norwegians playing fiddles, looking bored. But then you've got like 15 kids trying to kick a hat off a stick. Like, I mean... <laughs> You've been to Norway, Jared. Is this just what kids do on, like, the streets? Like, oh, I'm bored, Inga. Let's go kick a hat off a stick. Not from my knowledge being over there, but I swear I have seen this on, like, a version of The Amazing Race as, like, a, <laughs> as a task. And maybe I haven't, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I've seen this somewhere before, and I think that's where it's from. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a highlight. I was, I mean, why, why is that not, why is that not a sport in the summer I Olympics? Know. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, but like the thing that's amazing about it, right? Like you picture an opening ceremony. These have been rehearsed, like they're, they're perfectly synchronized and organized and all this sort of stuff. This literally looks like they've just gone, oh, Sven, oh, Inga, we have the opening ceremony and uh, you want to kick the hat off the stick? Oh yeah. Okay. Like half of them couldn't do it even remotely properly. They kept missing the hat. And then they had a bit mm-hmm. of a chuckle, like, oh, ha, ha, next time. And then they kept doing it. Like it was, it was real. Like it just felt like it wasn't like, when we get to Beijing 2008, right? Like you got shot if you hit the drum at the wrong time. This, the Norwegians are like, oh, ha, 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 we have the beer later and celebrate. Like it was just, you never seen this before, Colin, kicking a hat off a stick? This is my new favorite thing. You know, when Jared said that, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I've definitely seen this somewhere before. And I, it might have been one of the most recent seasons of The Amazing Race that we even talked about where there was somebody doing this. Um, but uh, it, it's like you said, when when a mistake happens, in some ways you appreciate it more. I mean, the, the one of the only blunders I had was people missing kicking the hat. But it was great that you would, you would see the same kid who missed kicking a hat, they would cut back to him two minutes later. And then when the camera was on, he'd do it and it's like, oh, he got it this time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so it, it, like you said, it's that realism that you appreciate it more. Uh, kind of like with Jared, you know, we're not seeing a wide range of the culture. It's almost like they, they zeroed it on maybe two eras and they're more recent eras, but it still gave you an idea of what Norwegian culture is. I mean, in particular, when you get something like London where they, they carry you through the entire history of the country of England, that's that's very cool. But then when you get something different like this, where you just kind of get the idea, this is the heritage they cling to, I appreciate that just as much. Um, one thing uh, you did miss in the mentioning the skydiving, Ben, I mean, obviously very popular sport there in, uh, in, in Norway, skydiving. Why is that an Olympic sport? But the way that they started is in that half cartoon, half visual thing, which is obviously a nod to AHA's Take On Me, <laughs> famous Norwegian band. Yeah. They literally opened. They, 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 can't, they can't get AHA 
on the opening ceremonies, but they're like, but we're going to steal your video. <laughs> that look, that look I, I'm glad you, like, I didn't think about that because, like, I was going to mention about how this is kind of like a unique period of opening ceremonies, right? It wasn't really, like, more commercialized. I really go to, like, Atlanta as the first real opening ceremony that you kind of get this sort of let's get a big-name singer and let's be more cultural and sort of do a bit more grandiose. But you're 100% right because if this was 2014, fucking AHA would be performing at the opening. Like, where is AHA? Hashtag where yeah. is Aha? Like name another bigger Norway. Who was a Norwegian that won the fairy tale with Eurovision that one time, Jared? I mean, he was probably baby at that point. But like, I mean, they had violins. He would have been fitting right at home. But like, where was Aha? Like, come on. We want Aha. <laughs> and like, more than just ripping off their video. We want Aha. You, you know what? Ben's seen them. Well, now that I'm thinking about that, right, I'm still pissed off of hashtag where Sai from Pyeongchang. <laughs> hashtag where's Aha? Where's Aha? Uh, Aha and Sai, like, are waiting to come back. You know, like, when the Super Bowl did their, like, 50th anniversary and they got, like, Coldplay and Beyonce and Bruno, like, they got a, you know, a, a highlights package of the best halftime shows. I want it for, like, the 100-year anniversary of the Winter Olympics in, like, four or so years' time. I want the best of, like, the missing people that we had from the outside. Milan, I mean, they, Milan, I mean, Turin got Ricky Martin at the closing ceremony. The Italians don't give a shit. They're like, hey, let's get the singer. So, like, like literally right now, Milan, if you're listening... Ah, and sigh. <laughs> You've got your, your ceremony thing. But I, I mean, I was going to mention the skydiving that uh, because I, I kind of like it. It feels like an occasion when you watch this, right? Like I feel like you've lost that in opening ceremonies now where it kind of feels like it's an occasion. This is an event. This is the opening of an Olympics, right? Like now it's all about fucking let's sing Imagine 50 times. Like, like it's just they're lazy now, whereas this like – even with that animation, it's kind of just that feeling of like, yeah, and you got the trumpets, it's very regal. You've still got that old school vibe where it's very ceremonial, which you've lost now today. But I love that opening with the skydiving. You've got these like people who've got all, you know, there's a guy in a freaking luge, like skydiving. Why wouldn't you love that? There's a snowboarder. Was that a demonstration sport in 94? You're still four years early with that one. Uh, you got a snowshoer because snowshoeing at the 94 Olympics. It was my favorite event. And then I love the way they blended into the flag, which I definitely love the way the red is the first one because this guy looks like he's like a splat and his guts have gone all over the flag. And then the crowd cheers because here comes a Norwegian flag. And we should really mention Lillehammer is like a tiny little village in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, Norway. So, I mean, you know, this isn't like a big capital city's hosting it. Everyone there is loving it. I reckon everyone in that town got a free ticket to the uh, opening ceremony. Um, and then oh. like... You've got the skydiving and then you've just got old John and Janet sitting there reading out stories, which I'm going to keep them in the speeches section because I feel that's more speeches and cultural. But, like, I just love the way this opens. Like, Colin, I mean, this just it just feels fun. Yeah, like, I think that's the one takeaway from this. I mean, there's ceremonies where there's so much cultural display where you're like, oh, this is meant to... And, and that's where the commentary that is missing maybe would have lent itself more to this being taken. Maybe... Maybe the story about the the people emerging from the ice is like a very dark tale. <laughs> you know, this is how the Norwegians like were born, <laughs> coming from the sewers of Oslo. <laughs> but uh, without having that commentary, I think that was the one part. Like uh, you mentioned, Jared, that some of the run were long. When I watched this, and I told you the other day, Ben, I'm like, you know, you don't really miss the commentary until the segment starts running a little bit long, and you're like, can you just tell me what's going on here. I really want to know, but. The other thing that I don't know how much we want to touch on the location of this, mm. you know, it's literally at the bottom of the ski jump hill. It, it, it's it's a unique location. 
uh, obviously smaller um, town that, than we would normally have. So, you know, crowd capacity is going to be a little bit different, but it's something that really sets this apart and also makes everything they do that much harder. Cause it's not like this is a stadium where you've got a, a lower level that people can rise up out of. Like I'm watching people are actually tobogganing down the hills and climbing down the hills and they're on real snow, the reindeer, are, you know, uh, peeing in the middle of the snow and stuff like that. So it's a lot harder. So when you get to that second part where you got people merging from the ice, I'm actually thinking to myself, like, how do they actually do this? Like mm. now I'm actually curious, but, uh, the location in a way enhances everything they're doing because you know that it's it's not going to be easy to have people you know on this section or even the the part where near the end where they're rappelling down the hill you're like okay so what happens it's dark now you can, these people can barely see where they're going what if they get their foot stuck in the ice yeah it's a, it's a good point because this is always a uniqueness of a winter opening ceremony isn't it because you know, they don't do it in an arena where they're going to have sports. I mean, here they do. They've got a freaking ski jump. So, I mean, good on you, Norway. But, like, you know, generally you don't have a stadium for an event at the Winter Olympics like you do for the summer, like you do with athletics. And I love that point you brought up too, the fact that, you know, some of these older ones, we have to get used to the fact that these are in, during the day. Like, yeah. you know, night opening ceremonies. I mean, this obviously was half in the night. Barcelona, I know at least part of it was at night because of they had the famous flaming arrow. I don't know if the whole thing was at night. Uh, Atlanta, I believe, might be the first fully nighttime one. But I, I love the fact that this is sort of like half in the day. You know, it's like a twilight one. Sydney, I think from memory, Jared started very much at the crack of sunlight, didn't it? Because I remember that horse coming out of the stadium. I think it was still a bit daylight before it went dark. But um yeah, I mean, Jared, I mean, do you, what's your sort of take on, I guess, the setting of this, the vibe of kind of this small little village that this literally is being held in in Norway? I loved it because it sets it apart. I think particularly with like recent memory, everything is generally, you know, in a stadium or in some sort of venue. And like you say, like at night, it was nice having kind of this smaller, more intimate setting. Um and the fact that, yeah, it changed from day to night throughout the ceremony. I'm like, how are they going to like do all this stuff? Like it's still so early, but I mean, it still could have been like late because it stays so like light over there for so long. So, um, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was unique. It was different. It was fun. Um, and like you say, like extra props because you can't like control like the elements or anything like it's, it's snowing like it throughout is. this, this yeah. opening, opening ceremony. So, um. Yeah, it was very, um, very interesting and cool. But literally, when you he, see the the skydivers and you get this sort of aerial shot of Lillehammer, it's just little houses, like, and just even sort of in the background of the ski jump, you just kind of see it's just like a shed. It's just like you know, like one of the, I remember when I went to Salt Lake City and I went to the University of Utah, which is where they had the opening ceremony. It's literally a college football stadium on a school campus that held an Olympic opening ceremony. I've been to BC Place in Vancouver, uh, you know, a covered. Big stadium, of course, but still, like, I mean, we'll get to when we get to Vancouver. That was in the first and only ever inside stadium that's ever hosted an opening ceremony. It actually, like, seriously, as much as I might have initially kind of groaned at that concept that Paris is having next year, it actually makes me a lot more excited now for this prospect yeah. of Paris doing this unique thing down a river and involving the entire city. So, yeah, I mean, just watching a ceremony like this kind of really gives you a unique take on it and just... And like I'm literally looking at it right now, the people standing in the Olympic rings for the entire two hours. Those kids don't fuck them. Good for them. Probably still frozen to that hill in Lillehammer, right? Colin, you got something, Dad? Yeah. Well, the the one thing that you said, that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this. I'm like, you know, Paris could actually really work. Like it's something different. The visual is something you always remember. Uh, I think the one thing that that was 
unusual about this that was hard for me to wrap my head around why they did it. It is that whole nighttime and daytime element where everybody's wearing these white ponchos. Like every spectator who came in, they it is mandatory. This is this is by order the of the national king. dress of Norway. <laughs> you you must wear the national dress of Norway. You must wear this white poncho. But during the daylight scenes, it gives us incredible visual where it's like they almost blend into the hill and blend into the snow. But yet it made the crowd look a lot smaller. Mm. And I think that is just because it's white on white. But then when you get to the nighttime, it's it's almost like the crowd expanded and doubled. Mm. And it's it's simply like a, an optical illusion in a weird way. You have everybody in white. Then all of a sudden it gets nighttime. That white just stands out a little bit more. And it actually looked fantastic. And I was trying to figure out like, so why did they do this? Because like it it, it, it looked this way and they didn't know. Oh, that's why. Because it looked this way in the daytime. It looked this, this way in the nighttime. I, I love the mole people. Can I just say, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I have this vivid memory of, and I, I'd, I'd always talk about it to you guys and we've mentioned on the show because, you know, I'd put the Olympic channel on in the background all the time when I was in Canada and just, you, you, that always have an opening or a closing ceremony on and they would always play Lillehammer. But the, it must be the closing ceremony where they've got this like nightmarish sequence of like crows and fire and horror music. We'll get to the horror music that appears in this because that is the same horror music we get in the closing ceremony. So once we run out of opening ceremonies and we do the closing ceremonies, I really look forward to getting to the Lillehammer Club because there's like a like a horror sequence in the in the closing ceremony with that. I, I wanted to just touch on quickly. We'll give our ratings, but um, I, I guess this is sort of culturalish. I mean, it's kind of. It's ceremonial, but it's not. But like the the introduction of the royal family, because like I, I it's almost cultural because it comes in the middle of the, like all the reindeers are coming out. They're pulling out old king and queen, old of Norway there. But like apparently there's a Norwegian version of God Save the Queen. Like I mean it's kind of all like I'm, I don't know Norwegian, but they're singing like I don't know like Jared when you're there was that a thing? Is that is that the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised that's not going on when they're king and queen are coming out. <laughs> Um, Jared, did you ever hear a Norwegian God Save the Queen when you were in Norway? I did not. And it was so, um, it was really jarring to, to hear because I'm like, oh, hang on. I'm like, where's, who, who are they bringing out? Oh, that, they just got their own version of the same song, uh, which I suppose makes sense. But yeah, um, interesting and cool. I mean, there are plenty to talk about the royal family this episode, but I'm just saying might, might lose a bit of points on my side. No skydiving queen of Norway. Um, <laughs> Just saying, where's Norwegians, Norwegians, Norwegian James Bond uh, jumping out of there? Uh, out of five, guys. Uh, so this is what we do each of these sections. What are we rating the cultural section of the Lillehammer opening ceremony? I'll start with you, Colin. I'm, I'm intrigued here. Just before I give the rating, we should also add that I guess the two hosts of this would fall into the cultural part. Ah, uh, well, well I've put I them in they're... the sp- I've put them in the speeches section. Well, I'm not I'm not simply saying what they're delivering, but the fact that they are involved okay. in this. Okay, no, fair enough. Yeah, one the 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 old man there, he is a famous sailor and explorer. Uh, <laughs> and then the the uh, the the woman who is a woman who is hosting actress, uh, right? Liv, Liv Allman, Academy Award nominee. So incorporating yeah they don't have the the big you know musical artists but they got two i guess very famous norwegians I, to kind of host the whole thing i mean like okay, let's do, i talk about it because i was going to say them for the speech but can I, just say, I love these people like i think like this is <laughs> it's so unique but like it fits in with like this small little norwegian town 
like one of my the 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 Salt Lake. I can't wait to get to Salt Lake because the opening ceremony it's like freaking Donnie and Osmond, Marie Osmond, right? And then you got the closing ceremony. You got the fucking skeletons of T Rexes hosting it. Like it's brilliant. Um, so like this is kind of like a precursor to Salt Lake. But I just love you. Just got Grandpa Joe and Grandpa Jenny sitting there with their little cards. Hello, Valt. Welcome to the Olympics. And then like. We'll get to the speeches that they do in the speeches section, but I love it when they're just introducing the storybook mole people. And again, literally every time they cut it, there's 30 more children sitting on their laps. Like, I don't know where they're coming from, but Jared, I mean, this is epic. I love these two. These two are great. Yeah, it works. It's like, it's intimate. It's like a, like a little, like, yeah, like you say, like grandma, grandpa, almost like it gives me vibes. I, I think it helps with like the reindeer as well, but I'm just like the whole time, like, it's just like, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, you know, just, they just popped down from the North Pole and they're just hosting like the Olympics. Um, yeah, it's it works here. And it's funny because I feel like at other opening ceremonies, it wouldn't work. But mm. for this one, like it works really well. Yeah. Um, in like freaking Tokyo, they'd be singing bloody uh, Imagine or something. Tor Heildahl was the gentleman's name who sadly passed away in 2002. But good news, Liv Ullman is still with us. Well, she will be until we at least release this episode. Um, Golden Globe winner for Best Actress in uh, 1972 uh, for the movie The Immigrants and also nominated for a Palme d'Or uh, for a she, directing the movie Faithless. So uh, and she's also and nominated two, for Oscars. Two Academy, so, two Academy Award nominations. Wow. Look at it go. This is Norway's biggest cultural icon since AHA. Well, <laughs> bigger than AHA, I Before think. Before AHA. Um, uh, yeah, where do these kids come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's every child in the village. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So for ratings, uh, it's tough because nothing is like that spectacular until you get close to the end. Then it starts getting pretty spectacular. But nothing is like so spectacular. We haven't seen it before, but it just works. It, it fits a theme. Everything's cohesive. It's not like we're going to have this section and the other ones completely disconnected. I'm, I'm going to go as high as saying this is a four for me. All right. Well, I'm just, I'll just jump in there ahead of you, Jared, because I'm going a four as well. Um, it's It doesn't quite get the perfect marks but like everything about this i love like it's real props real animals it's it's simple like yeah i don't know what the fuck is going on half the time i love kicking a hat off a stick like i love uncle joe and grandma jenny like it's just everything about it like it, it doesn't blow you away like there are definitely opening ceremonies that i know straight away are gonna get a five from me no matter what but this is amazing and i just i think it works and you remember it you're gonna remember it. it's simple and it's quick like this doesn't go for four hours it's a two-hour opening ceremony you know so yeah no i'm on board it's a four from me jared it's across the board hey. because i feel the same way good on that all right look at that off to a solid start here for lillahama i like it um let's go for the parade which again i think I mean, it's all right to kind of watch this without commentary, but it's also good to have a bit of a flashback in time so we could hear like, oh, and here's the great Dutch skater yeah. who's going to dominate, you know, things like that. I mean, I did recognise Australia, Kirsty Alley. Uh, Kirsty Alley? Kirsty, what? Uh, Rest in peace, Kirsty. <laughs> What's her name? Um, oh, you loved her in Cheers. Oh. You loved her more in Look Who's Talking, but everybody remembers oh. her as the flag bearer. <laughs> The great Australian aerial skier, <laughs> Kirsty Alley. Um, I, I mean, she was robbed of winning a medal at those Lillehammer Olympics. Uh, Kirsty Marshall is who I'm trying to say. 
uh, who go. I, I, that's one thing I do remember from '94 was the fact that she was like, you know, won all these world championships, and everyone was talking about us finally winning a, a medal at the Winter Games because we had Kirsty Alley there. Because I'm telling it again. <laughs> <laughs> She before Veronica's closet, she went to the Olympics. <laughs> oh, rest in peace. Um, Kirsty Marshall. But uh other than that, a uh, couple of things I wanna just talk about. USA and the cowboy hats, doing doing all right there, I guess. Good for you. Um, big cheers for all the neighbors, Sweden, Iceland, Denmark, America Samoa, they've got the weird, lovely flower pants, no shirtless uh oiled up men there, unfortunately, but uh there you go. Uh, I like the little kids with the flags every time they got a new one. Some weird pronunciations of countries. T- Trinidad and Tobago, I think it was. Uh, I think it was only the French that always got the names correct. So there you go, the French. Um, I loved every single country was like, welcome. This, you know, like it wasn't just like, here's China. It's welcome, China. Also a bit of a flashback in time for the fact that, you know, some of the country's flags were obviously a little bit different. And the fact too that you had... Like, I think Russia, that was their first Olympics purely as Russia because obviously 92, you had unified team. And a lot of these countries that you saw, it was their very first Olympics. But I've got to, I've got to start off with Canada because... Um, oh, wait, no, no, no. We weren't there. That was the Bolshevik army well, post-Canadian invasion. I, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> did I miss something in 94 history that the Canadians had to come dress as Russian generals with capes? Um, why do they have capes? I never saw this when I lived in Canada. <laughs> Canadians wore capes with their Russian general outfits. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I was thoroughly <laughs> confused. I'm like, I have to go back. I'm like, they did just say Canada, right? I'm pretty sure I saw the graphic. Uh, and this is post-communism collapsing. Like, was this done as a joke? I don't, we, we know we just covered a uh, Canadian uh, comedy, Kids in the Hall on the Oz Network. This could just be some irreverent Canadian humor. I don't know. Possibly. I just like, I, I want us to maybe try and remember Australia's and Canada's outfits because Australia's had some pretty rubbish ones. I mean, when we get to Athens, don't get me started on how rubbish our uniforms were for Athens 2004. But like, I just, I just, I'm questioning life. Like I literally saw this and they're, they're wearing like the, the fluffy Russian hats. They've got these like, and they've got capes. Like, and like it's at first I thought they were Mounties. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, you know, tribute to, but then they're full on, like, Jared, what, did you realize this was Canada when you were looking at it? I was so confused. I, I just, I mean, the capes I'm on board for, but the, <laughs> the, the, the color scheme, what's with all the orange? Like, yeah. I'm like, what do you, like, when they walked out, I'm like, uh, China question mark? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think like they they made a mistake with that orange should have been like white for the inside of the cape, but I'm so here for it because for the majority of these countries there was like zero color and very wow. kind of like bland in terms of I suppose what we're used to kind of modern uh parade of athletes. So I mean the capes, I'm like why not? I, I mean, you know, it was the mid nineties where basically you've still kind of got that parachute fashion and like it's all the fashion that's coming back now. But the other one that I question, speaking of the parachute, New Zealand, I uh, didn't realize that New Zealand, a country whose national colors are black and white coming out in blue, white, and like lime green. Um, okay. Missed that fashion trend of New Zealand in the nineties. Um, were there any other standouts? I mean, I love seeing Jamaica, like, you know, this is kind of, because this would have been pre-Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings was a 94 movie, so uh, this would have been released. Well, this would have been released. Th- these games were on before Cool Runnings came out, so I think they would look out for Nagano, the cheer they get for there. But um, 
I don't know, Jared, any other standouts that you you had from the... Only 66 countries we should mention too back in 94. Uh, I didn't have any others. I had only written down like, yeah, the Americans with the cowboy hats and then Canada with the capes. They were kind of my two uh, that I'd written down. Did you recognize Kirsty Alley uh, for Australia? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Jared, Colin, before I get your thoughts, like uh, questioning the... Um, the lazy signs that are coming out. Like I like it when you got like a fancy, like they do some sort of cultural sign. This is just, they've gone to office works and printed out a white banner with a large, you know, times new Roman typeface of New Zealand. And then you've got kind of like random Norwegian guide walking next to them going, hello, I'm here. It's like, who is the random woman walking next to them with this, the bloody sign? I have no idea. And half the athletes do look very bored. Like there weren't many like happy countries I feel coming out there. And I will say the marching music, I mean, again, I felt like this was like the 56 Melbourne Olympics. It's just like, da, 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 da. Uh, Colin, any other standouts? Yeah, a couple. First, uh, I-, I wondered about the um, Cool Runnings, like for the reaction they got and everything. And cool Runnings actually was uh, a couple months prior to this. It was like, oh, October was it? 93. Oh, 93. So I, don't know whether been... I always thought it was a 94 yeah. movie. Oh, my bad. I don't know if it had been released in Norway, though. Uh, <laughs> they're a little <laughs> Still bit Still waiting, the I believe. They might get it soon. <laughs> Uh, I, I think Australia benefits from two things with uh, their outfits. One, th- a lot of Australian opening ceremony outfits tend to be like very formal. And this was definitely informal, which I liked. And it was very Carmen San Diego too. Uh, <laughs> it looked like a whole group of Carmen San Diego cosplayers. Uh, but I think the other thing coming out so early and so many of the other countries did a similar thing. Like there was way too much Doctor Who in this, like <laughs> trench coat, fedora, long scarf. Yeah. But the Australians, that, that that hat was spectacular. So I'll, I'll give you props on that. Kirstie Alley pulled and it off. Kirstie Alley. <laughs> straight out of Veronica's closet, that hat. Yep. <laughs> uh, but like, like the Canadian one, I mean, it's just, it's so, it is what I put it down as one of like my weirdest moments is the Canadian Bolshevik outfit. But at the same time, it looked like it cost a fortune to put together. Like they were not phoning it in. Was that Roots? Uh, the, what do you think? I don't. I don't think it was Roots at this point. I think Roots started in Nagano. I could be wrong, uh, but uh, the the Jamaican ones. W- w- the thing that I found most interesting about it is the shame that Canada must have felt. Canadians bundled up as if they're going into the Arctic Circle, and the Jamaicans come out like spring jacket. <laughs> <laughs> they used to it by very then. loose fitting. Clothes. <laughs> yeah, like they're the ones who should be bundled up, and meanwhile the Canadians look like they're freezing out there. Um, there, there was a, an interesting reaction, uh, to Bosnia, obviously, which, mm. which that's going to be one of the interesting going back over this, when you get something that's, you know, very much of that moment. And there was this reaction to Bosnia. And then, of course they have the moment of silence later on, which we'll talk about that in the speeches. But, uh, yeah, I had to Google. I'm like, was there something in Bosnia around this time? Like <laughs> I, I didn't remember I was too young, I guess. Yeah. Midnight, early to mid nineties is sort of the whole, that war in that period. Uh, that's why like, Sarajevo, Sarajevo, I think, was being bombed literally like at the period these Olympics were on and 10 years prior they had the Olympics. So um, it was very mm. relevant um, there. But, I mean, Russia getting a big cheer, a bit yeah. awkward. Uh, <laughs> it's weird to see and- Russia in an Olympics, isn't it? We haven't seen them in an Olympics what, since Rio. So, <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of the countries had like China, very small representation for China. Yeah. We're not used to seeing that. Uh, the, the the parade of athletes does breeze by, I think, partly because you don't have a lot of these countries where every person is there for the opening ceremonies. I think a lot of the countries, they, they didn't have that many people there for the opening ceremony. So it, it went quickly. And also bringing the kids out, that's actually a smart idea because we're so used to we're just watching one long static shot of countries come in and then the commentators have to fill in the blanks. 
and just cutting back to a different kid every time you see the kids kind of roaming around the background and every every once in a while somebody comes up and they're like swallowing the microphone it's like Barbados. <laughs> it gives a little bit of personality and makes it go by a bit quicker yeah i mean the other thing that i think like going back to my point you know 66 nations uh and 94 whereas in beijing we had 91 so you know you've got nearly 30 more countries uh what 30 odd years later basically uh, and you know a thousand more athletes in the most recent winter olympics as a time of recording this versus 1994 so yeah, obviously, you know, going to have a, a little bit more. I mean, there's obviously a lot more sports now uh, in, in the Winter Games and more events, and they're still growing. But, um, there, yeah. There's one other thing I, I just thought about I wanted to uh, mention. There was one old guy in the crowd that they cut to like three times when Kachunis came out. And each time, I don't know if it was because he was on camera, each time he was like, yeah, <laughs> it's really elderly man. And it, it, I think it was particularly Sweden he had the biggest reaction to, which you can understand, you know, regionally and everything. But when Sweden came out, he holds up his Norwegian flag. He's like, yeah, <laughs> we're better than you. Oh, yeah. Suck funny. at Sweden. Um, what are we giving this out of five? Let's start with you, Jared, for, for this one. Um, I think a two and a half. Yeah, I I was gonna say the exact same thing. Me too. Have we all just <laughs> literally like like done this? Why can't we agree on athlete of the day like this? <laughs> I know. So we're all two and a half across the board. Yeah, like I I think this is the one part where the, I think the stadium isn't uh, helping the parade of athletes because you have a very small space and it would have been nice if they cut to the the section where they sat in because that's what the first part where you get real color in the stadium too all those mm. lineups that would look really nice next to all the white but it's only at the end where you see everybody entering their seating it's just it's a small space and all you're really watching is the same outfits over and over again for a uh, lot of them and i think to me like you know there are there are definitely things that i prefer about old school opening ceremonies and definitely things i prefer about new school opening ceremonies to me i like the parade of nations probably more modern times like i like they they always have like a fancy better music like you know things like that that kind of enhances it a little bit more and i think kind of like that's where it works more in the modern times whereas this is still very formal it's very marching band it's just kind of like hello like we are the athletes of the world um so yeah i I definitely think this is where the modern olympics do it a lot better versus sort of these older school ones that kind of do it that way but yeah two and a half for me um nothing amazing but nothing terrible uh the cauldron and i'm gonna again lump in the the flag section of this as well. So obviously we have like, you know, the, the Olympic flag coming in, which can I just say, like given the uniqueness of this stadium, like these athletes are coming in like, Hey, here are the six great Norwegians of 1994. You need to take a left. You need to take a third, right. You need to go to the fourth thing, say yes to the troll, give him a riddle. And they're like the, the way they zigzag them way up into the thing, like this has gone on forever, right? But holy fuck balls did i just like put my attention to the screen when that woman started singing the olympic anthem like geez that's the best ever singer i've ever heard sing the whole like jesus she was epic no joke and this isn't saying it a bad way my ears started popping Mm. listening to it i got like (laughs) goosebumps i got chills like straight away like this woman is incredible um and like i mean i don't i I think the Olympic hymn or the Olympic anthem is kind of one of these weird sporting anthems that I don't think many people realize is a thing. And I always love it. Like, I always love hearing the Olympic anthem at an Olympic Games. But, I mean, this woman, she's in a, like, red dress. She's got, like, a white, like, it's almost a turban. Um, But, like, it's kind of like a, I don't know what it is. It's great. Traditional headdress of Norway. 
And she just, she lays it down. I'm, if I'm on The Voice, I'm pressing the button. I'm looking at Cecil Kierkegaard. Um, was she on Eurovision, Jared? <laughs> like, I love her. She's great. Um, and then The Cauldron, we get horror music as old Mr. Athletes climbing up the stairs. And he's kind of very like... You know when like people do like marches and they've kind of got to take like two steps, like it's a very form. Like he's got some weird like almost formality to him climbing those stairs. Then he hands it off to a ski jumper, who again is a backup ski jumper. Uh, this isn't the actual ski jumper that was meant to do it. So they originally were going to give this to Ole Gunnar Fidstol, who I believe got a bronze at the '88 Olympics. He got injured in a practice jump, so his backup Stein Gruben uh, got his task. He's holding on. Like, I th- I had memories of him, like, having, like, a special ski that he could put this in or something like that. No. This guy is a badass holding it onto his hand as he ski jumps. Now, let's be honest. Would have been better if he had lit the cauldron in midair. That would have probably got a six <laughs> out of five. But, like, still epic. Hands it off to another athlete who I believe was a visually impaired Paralympian who then, Norway a bit lazy. Let's just give it to the prince to light the cauldron. But still... He goes up a freaking set of stairs and lights a giant cigar. Boof! Welcome to the Olympics. I mean, this is epic. Like, this to me is coming off the back of Barcelona. Like, one of the most famous lightings of the cauldron ever with an archer, you know, lighting the cauldron. So they've gone like, what are we going to do here? How can we top this? Like, just epic. Ski jumper lands on it. You got the best singer I've ever heard at the Olympics, I'm saying right now. I mean, I love everything about this. This is absolutely incredible. Colin? Uh, I'll, I'll give my one, uh, half point detraction here first, just the, the flag. Cause we're grouping the flag part in here. Is that into the, um, yeah. the speeches? Okay. Uh, the, the flag part, this is where the small venue I think didn't help because as they're carrying the flag and is very, like very marching, <laughs> very, very militaristic. Uh, I don't know if it was a lack of space or everything, but it was like, they're in a very cramped and the flag was like buckling. It was like, like, you know, uh, it, it wasn't stretched out and everything. So it didn't to me. It didn't look like they had enough room for this, or if they didn't think at the you know, during rehearsal. Oh, uh, let's have you a little bit closer there, and then like, yeah, but then we can't actually stretch our arms out far enough to hold this flag. <laughs> uh, but that's like such a minor thing. Uh, the lighting, of this like like you nailed it. It is coming right off of Barcelona, which was really the beginning of like these epic cauldron lighting ceremonies, and they went all out. And this being the back of it, like I, I had to read that trivia the same as you where this was like considered controversial because he wasn't the original guy and the original guy got injured and all that but there there's apparently criticism that he only goes 70 meters like this guy's going 70 meters holding He's the holding olympic torch the olympic to like i mean let's get ali back on and and talk to her about it. like well, could she do this no and, and the craziest thing is that you you watch it sort of flicker and you're like it's gonna go out it's gonna go out no it doesn't like that's the most exciting part is that it stays lit yeah well he's zooming through the air like that like it is so incredible they even show a replay you, of it so epic is it the, the, yeah. the, the TV director's like show a replay of that <laughs> yeah and you know I'm running through my head even some of the recent ones I'm like recent ones don't even top this it becomes Beijing? more about but but like so much now it's just about who is doing the lighting of the cauldron that you don't necessarily have that incredible spectacle maybe it's just because how do you top something like this yeah i mean honestly the last great lighting of a cauldron vancouver i mean even then it fucked up um but like that was kind of the epic with the sticks i mean london was shit 
I don't even remember Sochi's cauldron. Rio, don't even know if I remember that. <laughs> Pyeongchang was kind of that giant, like, that uh, That was okay. Tokyo was boring and don't even get started on Beijing. So, yeah, like it, yeah, no, I agree. Like, it's sort of, you don't get this in. This was the golden period of starting this, you know, epic run that we would get with torches. Uh, Jared, before I get to your thoughts, can I just also say that the crown prince, does he not look like Justin Trudeau a little bit? And I love how, like, everybody's in, like, their official torch uniform and the crown prince is going, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to put on my jumper and my pants. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the prince of Norway. And fun fact, his daughter lit the cauldron at the uh, Lillehammer Youth Olympics uh, in 2016. So there's a nice little family tradition they've got going there in Norway. Cool cauldron as well. Looks like a giant mm-hmm. smoke, although the torches just look like survivor torches. Uh, Jared, any anything, any thoughts, your thoughts? This was so good. Like the first thing, like you mentioned it, but like the music. I'm like, when did the <laughs> Olympic flame become like the villain of, of the opening <laughs> ceremony? Seriously, watch so a closing good. ceremony. That soundtrack <laughs> is the entire closing ceremony. It's got its own like evil, like discordant theme. It's so good. And I love that like before and like the lead up to like the ski jumping and the torch relay, we get like people skiing with a torch, people running with a torch, like just a bit of everything. Um I am very much on the bandwagon of the jump itself is disappointing only being 70 metres. <laughs> Just because... Oh, you can't please everyone. <laughs> in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to go. And it's like... <laughs> he like just gets off the end of the ramp and then it's like back on, back onto the slope. Um but I, they made this so difficult with that style of torch. I love that there was just like zero consideration of like, where can we put this, make it easier to hold. At one point before he sets off, it looks like it like sets like his hand on fire and he's kind of like brushing like his glove because his glove is like right against the flame. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so, 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 so good. Like, like it's like you, you said, we just don't get like these like epic moments and it is very much just like, who's it going to be is like the big reveal is just like, who's going to like light the cauldron, not like the big lead up and what's going to be like, how is it going to be lit? <laughs> Two things I'm just thinking there. I'm just thinking like Colin would have fucking loved this. This guy caught fire halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> he was halfway through his ski jump and he kept just like, ah, like full down. Also, I'm just putting this out because like, obviously for Paris next year, we don't really have like a, a I, I don't know if they're going to like the Stade de France to light the cauldron. I don't know where it is. Can we just light the Eiffel Tower on fire? Like, I mean, that's yeah. going to top everything. <laughs> boof. Oh, Eiffel Tower. There is. I mean, seriously, if they worked out a way to do that, that would that would win the entire Olympics. Uh, one thing I want to add to, I guess we can sort of lump the athlete speeches, the oaths in here. But um, did you notice the the microphone stands were like covered in icicles? I'm guessing that, unless it was that fucking cold, uh, but I'm guessing that was a bit stylistic. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start with this. I'm giving it a four and a half. Because it's nearly like, honestly, it would be to me, it, to make it perfect, had to light the cauldron halfway through a ski jump. Like I wanted him to like hold his arm out. Poof, like that would be just beyond, beyond the archer from Barcelona. Let's be honest. But I mean, it's nearly perfect to me. That's the only bit that's missing from it. But like, I mean, the woman singing and like the, yeah, I get the flag bit. It kind of, it's a bit of fun to it though. The fact that they've got to go all that way, but yeah, just like epic. And also like the half a point deduction too lazy like let's just get the prince of norway like i mean where it wasn't beyond dali like at this point like the greatest thing since sliced bread I'm, I'm with you there where it's sort of like yeah it's more about who lights it now but at the same time i think you need that like i know like like you think back to tokyo when they had it one sixty four. like let's get a kid who was like born on the day of hiroshima that's kind of got a bit of meaning to it you know like 
even though I don't like the London 2012 um, cauldron, I do kind of like that they've gone like, hey, let's get some future kids who are going to be, you know, great athletes. And I think half of them have gone on to be Olympians. Whereas like this, it's just like, ah, who's available? The crown prince. This would be like in Australia in like a few years' time if they're just like, ah, I don't know. Uh, Anthony Albanese, your brother available? Let's get him there. Like the queen, oh, oh, Charles. Waterworth. Hey, I'll be able to light it by then. Come on, I'll be the best person ever by then. But I don't know. Four and a half from me. Jared? Um, I am with you. Four and a half. Oh, this is... Well, <laughs> Uh-oh. It's going to clean sweep. I mean, I kind of gave mine away when I said a half a point deduction just for the, the flag not having enough room. But uh, yeah, four and a half were completely in agreement so far. Something's wow. got to go wrong. This is crazy. We've never been this agreeable. Um, I think speeches is kind of the one that we can, I mean, not a whole lot to add, but I mean, we sort of get un- Uncle John and Aunt Joan here at the beginning sort of giving a great speech. I will say for our, our old man here, um, the fact that he can just switch between like English, Norwegian and French, like pretty good there, like that. Um, but the speech that we've got, what, the the head of the organising committee for Lillehum, we don't get like the the king of Norway. Oh, he does have a few words, doesn't he? The king of Norway. Does he say something? He does. He does. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I, I, I was there. But His Excellency Juan Antonio Samaranch, who can I just say, always going to get high marks from me. I don't care. This guy could read me the telephone book and I'm hooked. And like, I am giving high marks for this because I just love the fact that Juan Antonio's are like, yes, we are here to do the games. And we like to think about the, the people, the people in Sarajevo. I want everybody watching on the television to stand up and give a moment of silence. All right, thank you for that. Now let's move on. Like, it's like two seconds. But then, like, the best part about this whole speech is that Juan Antonio is just like, everyone, please stop fighting. Please stop killing. Please put the guns down. I'm back to Thomas Bach voice now. But, like, imagine Thomas Bach doing this. He's all like, hey, imagine the world. <laughs> like, all this sort of stuff. Like, I'm sorry, this is brilliant. If I'm, like, shooting people in Bosnia at this point, I'm going, oh, fuck, why don't Tony says to stop killing, put my gun down? I listened to that man. He was amazing. Like, I love this. I love these speeches. I'm. This is the first time I've watched an opening ceremony in a long time, and I've been engaged by the people speaking. Uh, Colin. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Um, I'm hoping we're not going to agree too much here. I'm kind of worried about where my opinions have gone. I'm agreeing with Ben too much. Uh, he really does make it. Like, he he is good at the speeches. It's not too long. He's not, you know, drab and dreary. Um, he's got some personality. We're not having to see fencing right next to his name. Or <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah, sorry. We'd have to go, Juan Antonio Summerett, Olympic medalist fencing. <laughs> It felt uh, weird, didn't it, when they announced the IOC president? We didn't have Olympic medalist fencing. <laughs> but can you watch Spirited Away? I don't know. No. Why don't you go ask mommy? Shut up. We're talking about Juan Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go upstairs and watch Spirited Away and I'll finish this episode? <laughs> Who wants to watch yeah. Spirited Away? Tell her to watch better animated shows. Um, but uh, I, I had made a note about the same thing about the uh, let's have a moment of silence. And we're done. <laughs> Moving on. You can almost hear him whispering to his aide, how much longer does this have to go before it gets inappropriate? Hello, Casper. Yes, Casper, <laughs> what do you yeah. think of Juan Antonio? Hello, Casper. Is that Muk Muk? No. Is that, is that, is that twin raccoons? Oh. They're his brothers. He must have stolen them. 
Why don't you take the raccoons up? The, yeah, they're dancing. <laughs> hey. but they're, they're, can you have them kick a hat off of something? That's what I'm <laughs> oh. Why don't you take those upstairs and get some breakfast, okay? I'm sure mommy's got chocolates for you or something. The, the official mascot of this episode is the twin raccoons. That's all you got to say is just chocolates. And he, he says, now I know what to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I also love, like, with his accent, there was one part where he's thinking... Uh, I don't even know what, what he was trying to say, but to me, it came out to the sultans of volunteers. Uh, I think it was saying thousands or something like that, but it was like the sultans of volunteers. That's like a band name. Like we need the off the podium band and we'll be called the sultans, sultans of, of volunteers. We're the sultans of volunteers. <laughs> I I, uh, I don't know what I'm going to rate this as uh, because again, it is just the speeches. It is the least excited. It's the part that you often skip. But I didn't feel like skipping this, and I was paying attention to what he was saying. One thing, Jared, before I go to you as well, um, progressive, the 94 Lillehammer Olympics, they were all for the environment. So all these like Greta Thunberg types who were like, oh, my, your generation didn't care about the environment. Juan Antonio did, 94. <laughs> He's literally there saying, like, we care about the environment. Like, fuck you, Greta Thunberg. Listen to, <laughs> listen to Juan Antonio. His excellency, of course. Uh, Jared. I don't know if we can say lip service to the environment is caring about the environment, hey, but I digress. Wait till you get to <laughs> Munich in 72. They were burning coal in the opening ceremony. Like, ah, burn more coal. <laughs> um, I thought this was great. It was short. It was sweet. Um, the fact that they touched on Sarajevo too, but did it in a way that wasn't, and they didn't preachy. harp on about it. Yes, it yeah, wasn't preachy wasn't like preachy. modern Olympics about you know, piecing togetherness and it this didn't feel tokenistic. It felt truthful and just, just like the length. I was like, this is the right amount of time that speeches should take at the Olympics. It was so good. It breathed by, it wasn't boring. Didn't have to skip it. I feel like there was enough people who talked like, this is just like, to me, like the blueprint for how opening ceremony speeches should go. And let's just remember that Thomas Bach is still wrapping up his Beijing 2022 speech <laughs> as we uh, speak. So, And also, uh, it was the UN Year of Sport. So um, that was convenient. Good for good for Lillehammer. Um, yeah, like this is the trickiest one to rate because I guess we also classify this as other, but I mean, you know, I, I don't think there really is other. It's just speeches. I mean, while the other ones I can sort of picture other moments which are going to get higher ranks for me, like, I don't exactly go, oh, God, Sochi 2014. What about the speeches in that one? Um, so, like, I was nearly going to go perfect, but I'm going to give this a four. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I can give perfect marks to it, but, I mean, it's close. I could be swayed here because, again, I don't know what else could – what's a perfect speech at the Olympics? Governor General, was it Peter Collegrove at Sydney? I mean, how was his speech? I can't really remember. I don't know. Four out of five for me, but maybe I can be swayed if you two go for perfect. Colin? See, I was actually thinking three and a half, but not for anything wrong with it, more because can you give even a four to the speeches? Like, well, it's why not? Tony was telling you to stop shooting people. I mean, come on. That's pretty epic. But, but you see, uh, this is where maybe you're swaying me because I'm like, should I be judging it versus like off of what the, the ceremonies as a whole or should I be judging based off of just speeches? As far as speeches go, maybe it is a four. So. I think I think to me, to interrupt there, I think like maybe it's more of an engagement. Like I can remember Juan Antonio, but I mean, we've not even touched on the the Lillehammer organizing guy and the, the king. What did they fucking say? Like mm-hmm. I vaguely remember George Bush being pretty cool in 2002, giving his speech, Clinton in, in, you know, like you remember the engaging personalities. Whereas, yeah, so like that's that, yeah, four for me. I'm not going to be swayed. I think like, you know, it's not perfect. Juan Antonio carries this. Let's be honest. 
I'm going to stick with a three and a half, although I will say, you know, four speeches. This this is a five for his speech is a five for speeches. Yeah, way down by the Norwegians, right, Jared? Yeah. I didn't think that was that bad. You know, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mr. King, Norway. King Harold V, like maybe his name's a bit long because he has to say the fifth. Um, but I mean, he did his part. Olympic medalist officially declared open. That's all he had to say. Um, this for me is a, a four as well. There's like oh. there's nothing there's nothing really wrong wow. with it. I think it could be the only way it could be better if is I don't know things could be funny and they didn't need to be. <laughs> in a way, uh, and they probably funny, won't be in future ones. So um, no four. Uh, I think yeah. like this is a stock standard of what you want. Yeah, I can't speeches. I can't wait for Kevin Hart and uh, Snoop Dogg to open the Los Angeles 2028 Olympics. So popular are their segments for NBC that they're going to be doing the speeches. Could we could we actually get former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Colin, give us, give us an impersonation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I want 2032 Brisbane, Anastasia Plymouth. She's probably still going to be in control by then. Who was that uh, moron premier for a while there? The mayor, Campbell Newman, was it, or something like that? Remember him? God, get him on board. Kevin Rudd's a Queenslander. Get Ruddy up there. He'll speak in Mandarin. He'll be great. Um, so that means then basically our ratings. So we've all exactly the same except Colin's half a point off. So overall, um, I've got a 15 out of 20. Colin's got a 14 and a half out of 20. Jared, a 15. Good marks here for Lillehammer, which means at a 44 and a half out of 60. So uh, very, very high. Our, do we just want to do this uh, out of 100 then? Yeah, a percentage? No, I think we just we just keep it to like the the points total and then just kind of rate it that way. If you know what I mean. So I think like everybody just remember our our final total is sixty. Then yeah. So I think out of sixty, and that's a weird one, but I guess we've got three of us. It's out of twenty, so that kind of works. And we can work with that out. Like if there's a tie or whatever. So overall, then that means that culturally, this gets a twelve out of fifteen. Uh, for the parade, it gets a seven and a half out of fifteen. Uh, for the cauldron, it gets a thirteen and a half out of fifteen. And for the uh, speeches slash other 11 and a half out of 15. So I guess really the only other bits to touch on here, uh, whereas these, I guess, really, uh, we're not rating or anything there. We could just come up with a consensus of like a certain moment. Then by the end of these, after 25 of these, we can maybe either rank them or just come up with our favorite. So uh, let's start with the best moment. The best moment of this. I'll just put this out there. The cauldron. That's that's mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, are we all in agreement with that? Yeah, specifically the ski jump. Yeah, with the seventy-meter ski jump. <laughs> Special mention to our hosts, though. Yeah, close like, second to uh, the moment when they start like worshiping the egg. Yeah, the egg. <laughs> Billy, we touched it. This is just Lady Gaga. I thought, like, this is the thing too. I think we've kind of lost in opening ceremonies. Is the dove right? Like, it's not as a big deal as it used to be. But like, this is a cool way of having the dove out there. Uh, we well, didn't. And also, just quickly to add on the egg, because yeah, I think we all dropped the ball not talking about this more. <laughs> We we don't have like all that projection stuff and lights that we get in other opening ceremonies, but it was a really cool effect the way that you saw the egg and it started as an egg and then all of a sudden visually it becomes like the world and the colors change and everything. That actually like that was kind of their special effect of the show. Yeah, I agree. Like I mean, it's as much as I dislike a lot of the lighting stuff and that we get today, there is stuff that still looks cool on what we get today. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a there's a balance to me you need to find of like real life props versus a cool visual show, but I'm with you. I think that kind of looks... Jared, anything to add on the egg? Like, I mean, we didn't talk about the egg. 
I was just so confused what it was to begin with. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, dinosaur egg, like Jurassic Park. Uh, where's the big mama raptor going to come and get everybody? No. Um, but it was just cool. It just came out of the ground and they lifted it up. And then all of a sudden the egg turns into the earth and then the earth hatches and out comes a dove. Like, why not? Better than imagine. Just saying right now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you see that in Paris, I want the French egg. Uh, you know, and like that's let's be honest. That's how Norway sees the world, not in a circular shape. It's an egg because they're it. on top of the world. They're so all egg earthers over there. Egg so earthers. Flat earthers. <laughs> the Norwegian egg earthers. Also, one thing I liked in the speeches too is I like the mention of like Oslo. Like this is the second time we've hosted Olympics since Oslo. Like I like it when they do a bit of a throwback and kind of mention it. They're proud of their Oslo Olympics. Um, mascot. There's nothing here. We had no Hakon and Kristen, the weird little children. So, I mean, there's nothing to add in this section. We've got nothing. So, yet to see a mascot like, appear. Do we, do we want to group in maybe if there's unofficial mascots, if there's something here that like, wow, they should have made they should have made Thor hired whatever the mascot. Mole people. Mole people. <laughs> mole people. There you go. Mole people are kind of our default mascot here. Let's just write mole people. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, in like 10 of these episodes, time I'm going to read this guy. What does mole people mean? <laughs> Uh, the biggest blunder, like, I mean, the thing, like, is it the kids kicking the hat? Like, when the people, when the mole people are coming down, like, I think you touched on it, Jared, when they're like, the people are like falling down the hill. There's literally somebody face plants and he's like rolling down the hill. Um, is the blunder the 70 meter ski jump? I mean, I don't know. Like, the thing with the blunders or whatever in this one, to me, they're not a point where it's like, wow, this is ridiculous. Like, I don't know. I, I'm saying the biggest. You can mix it with the blunder or the weirdest to me is a Canada uniform, but I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Blunder? Any I, I had the hat kicking because it is a, clearly a mistake, but I think, again, to their credit, they would show the same kids doing it properly the next time, and it, and it kind of, I kind of liked that blunder. So it's a blunder, but it's a good one. Jared, do you agree with that or anything to add? I just had, like, the reindeers. <laughs> like in general, not blunder? following. Like it's it's particularly the moment where they come. They one of them stops in the middle of the circle to pick up Singing Man, who's gonna like hold onto skis and ski in the back. And then the driver gets out of like the sled, and then the reindeer starts taking off. And you just see this this guy dive back into the sled and then like wrestle control of it. I want to see the that. The singer's on the back that. like waving as he gets like pulled away. Uh, look. As much, I, I kind of am bored with Jared there because I think any use of real life animals at an Olympic ceremony deserves something. Um, and I don't think we've like, I know Sydney, we had horses. We had real life animals since Sydney. I can't remember. I don't know. Do we have beavers in Vancouver that I'm forgetting about? Um, <laughs> Did we have beavers in Vancouver? <laughs> There's some Canadians clubbing some seals. Like, oh, here's a cultural <laughs> display of Vancouver, eh? <laughs> Kill some baby seals. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the reindeer. Rain, are you fine if I outvote you there, uh, Colin? Oh, I could care less. <laughs> okay. Uh, the weirdest has to be Canada's uniform, right? <clears throat> I mean, I, I had that, but I also have the first appearance of the mole people during the story because they're just sort of behind and, and you're, you're, squinting you're like what is this thing supposed to be like it's got ears and it was like stalking behind the children i kept waiting for a moment where somebody turns around like oh but it, it never happens it's just it's, it was kind is of bizarre the, but is that, i think isn't that meant to be the point because they say in the story about how like oh you can't see them because like you've got that weird guy playing like the horny the horny the horny instrument thing that curved thing and you've got this like he's like sniffing and licking him or something like that like yeah i don't it, know it was still weird though yeah jared 
And more people coming out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> start off with it was to start off with it was weird, but it got weirder when there was like twenty of them coming out of like the same hole and like Half of them would be coming out upwards and the other half would be upside down. Like, how many people are in the ground at this point? Like, I'm so confused. All right, I'm, I'm a ball with mole people. I'm going to put in brackets, though. Special mention Canada uniform. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, all right, there we go. Uh, I think we've covered it. Anything, any final thoughts, anything to add? I mean, I guess we can sort of close this out with final thoughts and, like, would this be getting you excited for the Olympics? I, I mean, the one thing I'll say that maybe overall with this that is lacking, which I think modern opening ceremonies do have, is I think, it's, although this was the opposite, like you started this, this is a ceremony, wow, I'm pumped, I'm ready to go. But I feel it's kind of like, ah, it's over, let's all go have a beer. Whereas like, I think modern opening ceremonies, you at least kind of get that, oh, they're here, the Olympics are here. Like I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to watch shit. Like that's my one thing from this that I don't think it has. It starts better and doesn't kind of end that way. But uh, that's my final thoughts, I guess. Colin, any final thoughts on it? Uh I kind of disagree. I feel like this ends in a spectacular way, and it, and it had me. No, I want to see day one. I want to see day one. Yeah, and I think the fact that it's such a small venue and such a scaled down uh, ceremony, I wasn't quite expecting this fireworks to be as big as it was. But I was, I was hoping I could see day one right after this. I want to see what happens. Well, um, you can play your video game. I can, and you know what? It's great. The video game. Uh, the, the opening graphic, I don't know if you remember this, is the ski jump with the the torch mm, mm. and uh, landing right at the the bottom of the hill. So yeah, it's 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 a unique and memorable one. That's why I think we were both excited when this was drawn, is because it's one that everybody kind of you can picture it, you remember it, and it's going to be different from all the others. So really solid, good job, little hammer. Yeah, I mean, it was solid scores across the board. I said 44.5 out of 60, so we've done all right there. Uh, Jared, any final thoughts? Uh, it was great. I, I think back at the start, like I said, they could it could have even been better if they had shortened some of the segments down and added a bit more in. Uh, but overall, it was great. And and shout out to uh, Edvard Munch's The Scream from being stolen uh, from the Museum in Oslo on the day of the opening ceremony. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that too. But yes, that is a, apparently a famous moment in history that the scream was stolen from Norway on the day this happened. So uh, there you go. Fantastic. Um, so I guess what we'll do now, we're going to go to our favorite website, which if you listen to our other shows, especially Double Oz 7, you would know that we, when we did commentaries of James Bond films, we would end each one by choosing what our next one would be. And we would do that by going to andrew.hedges.name forward slash experiments forward slash random. Our good friend Andrew Hedges who has a great website where you can generate a random number. I think if you actually go to Google and type in generate a random number between 1 and 25, it does it. But we're using this one. So... To put you get a screen share again? Uh, do you want me to? Uh, oh, these, I don't trust you enough. These so you people <laughs> don't trust me. All right. I just, I just, I love that when we did the draw the first time, we were doing it off air, and I was on the line, and you recorded it just in case Jared questioned it. But now it's like, no, we trust you, Ben. We don't trust you anymore now than we did seven days ago. Yeah, well, you know, times can change. But so basically, we're going to have a number between one and twenty-five. It will correspond between the Olympics. So Munich, for example, is number one. Innsbruck is number two. All the way through to Beijing, twenty twenty-two is twenty-five. The only one, if we get eleven, which is Lillehammer, we need to do it again. So we're we ready for this. I'm going to press yes. get random. And we are going to press it. We have the number 22 and we're going to Rio. Oh, no. We've already talked about this one. I know. Oh, I guess it's been seven years. So, um, 
Uh, but it was it was our original. It was. So it'll be kind of, kind of fun to revisit. Our basically our first proper episode was doing this. That is very true. I think it was our second episode, wasn't it? Because I think we just did an intro episode and then we Preview. went straight. Well, that's a bit of a blast from the past. So maybe some homework. We can go back and listen to that episode and hear what we thought. But uh, I don't think we're going to be getting anywhere near a 44 and a half out of 60. I reckon we'll be lucky to get to 30 out of 60 for Rio. But uh, yeah, not passing, I don't think. No. Wasn't there a fl- was the fly in that one? A fly? No, that was... It was a fly. Wasn't that Tokyo? Wasn't Tokyo had the fly on the uh, left I remember one of them had the fly. No, I think that was Tokyo. Away. I'm pretty sure. But we got, what's the name? Giselle walking through the stadium. Uh, so... Yeah, no treadmills, so that's a positive. (laughs) It's better than Tokyo. I mean, of the last, like, six opening ceremonies, it's probably the best one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, So, you know, uh, but yeah, okay, Rio, that'll be be a fun one to do. So I think that's next month. I think we'll do that in May. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have to start watching it now. It goes about eight hours, doesn't it? So uh, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, if you've got any thoughts on opening ceremonies you want to let us know, by all means, send us a message. In terms of what we've got coming up next, I'm so pumped for the next couple of episodes because even these two haven't heard them yet but next week i've teased this for quite some time but let's get to this right now we often talk about getting the greatest of all time on the show penny alexia people statistically are the greatest of all time the goat the often overused word the goat we literally next week have the greatest of all time they were voted the greatest of all time by the international federation of their sport and no one has eclipsed them since so like even the International Basketball Federation has never said Michael Jordan is great. Like, they've, they've never done this. Karch Karai. It's not Thomas Bach, is it? It's not uh, Olympic medalist. Okay. <laughs> Karch Karai, who is a two-time Olympic gold medalist in volleyball, the only athlete in the history of the Olympics to win a gold medal in both indoor volleyball and beach volleyball. Most people probably know him more so nowadays as, I think, the voice of volleyball. Uh, he does a lot of commentating. But also, not only did he, he play, he then coached uh, volleyball, Won America their first ever women's indoor volleyball gold at Tokyo. Just a, a, an amazing person. We, of course, talked a little bit more about volleyball when we had the book, uh, the, the author on about the book, about the volleyball team from the 84 Olympics. So this is a great chat. Did this a couple of months ago, but it's very much worth it. You'll love it. And then the week after that, this is one to get Jared pumped and excited. Because remember last year, Jared, during Beijing, we got excited about a certain athlete who won a silver medal by going face down a ice shoot from Australia. She's on the show in a couple of weeks. Jackie Narricott, uh, a great chat, which I did again several months ago, but uh, a lot of fun, that one. And then after that, too, we're going to our first ever handball athlete, a Canadian handball athlete, if you don't mind. And then after that, remember also the ongoing joke on the show about Hungarians not being funny? Well, we have a Hungarian on this show in about a month's time, an Olympic gold medal winning Hungarian who is actually a bit funny. So um, <laughs> we've got a pretty stacked month coming up. So stay tuned for all of that. And remember to like, subscribe, do all the fun stuff on all the social channels to snap that with everything off the podium and get up to date with what we've got coming on as well. I'm so looking forward to next month when we can get and do Rio because yay. Um, Jared, thank you. I'm so glad that you've been on this episode and can actually talk about Norway for once. So thank you. No worries. And are you free this week? You want to do something or you? No. Right. I mean, it might be busy. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and listen to Jared on Euros Vision coming soon on the other networks of this great podcast network. Uh, and Colin, thank you very much as well. I talk to you too much, but sometimes it's nice to talk about Norway. 
Uh, thank you. And I'm just glad that my Soviet overlords allowed me to appear in regular dress today. I'm, I'm very glad for that too. Uh, do all the regular stuff, as I said. Shout out to Jason Momoa and the Birmingham Bull. I forget what we do at the end of this show right now. Uh, do we talk about meatloaf again? That, that that joke's funny now, isn't it? Because that was on with Olivia the other week. So, Finally aired, yeah. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, and remember to, as always, go left and fizzle dizzle or razzle dazzle, whatever the other thing was. When you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, senor. But you see back in old Napoli, that's amore. <laughs>